Hi, everybody. It's George Saunders. I'm the author of a new book called The Braindead Megaphone. Uh, and I'd like to read to you a piece called The New Mecca, which is about Dubai. Uh, some editors at GQ approached me and asked if I wanted to uh, write a piece about Dubai. And their logic was that since I'd written these you know, dystopian have versus have not uh, artificial, disgusting environment stories in my fiction, uh, this might be a natural fit. So the piece is called The New Mecca, and this section is called Put That Stately Pleasure Palace There Between Those Other Two. If you're like I was before I went to Dubai, you may not know exactly where Dubai is. Near Venezuela? No, sorry, that is incorrect. Somewhere north of Pakistan, an idyllic mountain kingdom ruled by gentle goat herds? Well, no. Dubai actually is in the United Arab Emirates on the Arabian Peninsula, 100 miles across the Gulf from Iran, about 600 miles from Basra, 1,100 from Kabul. You might also not know, as I did not know, what Dubai is all about or why someone would want to send you there. You might wonder, is it dangerous? Will I be beheaded? Will I need a translator? Will my translator be beheaded? Just before we're beheaded, will my translator try to get out of it by blaming everything on me? No, no, not to worry. Dubai, turns out, is quite possibly the safest great city in the world. It's also the newest great city in the world. In the 1950s, before oil was discovered there, Dubai was just a cluster of mud huts and Bedouin tents along Dubai Creek. The entire city has basically been built in the last 50 years. And actually, the cool parts, the parts that have won Dubai its reputation as the Vegas of the Middle East or the Venice of the Middle East or the Disney World of the Middle East, if Disney World were the size of San Francisco and out in the desert, have been built in the last 10 years. And the super cool parts, the parts that when someone tells you about them, your attention drifts because these morons have to be lying. No one dreams this big or has that much available capital. Those parts are all going to be built in the next five years. By 2010, if all goes according to plan, Dubai will have the world's tallest skyscraper, 2,300 feet, largest mall, biggest theme park, longest indoor ski run, most luxurious underwater hotel, accessible by submarine train, a huge 2,000-acre, 60,000-resident development called International City, divided into nation neighborhoods, England, China, France, Greece, etc., within which all homes will be required to reflect the national architectural style. Not to mention four artificially constructed island mega-archipelagos, three shaped like giant palm trees, the fourth like a map of the world, built using a specially designed boat that dredges up tons of ocean-bottom sand each day and sprays it into place. Before I saw Dubai for myself, I assumed this was bluster. You know, brag about ten upcoming projects, finally build one, smaller than you'd bragged, hope everyone forgets about the other nine. But no. Now I've been to Dubai, and I believe. If America was looking for a pluralistic, tax-free, laissez-faire, diverse, inclusive, tolerant, no-holds-barred, daringly capitalist country to serve as a shining city on the hill for the entire Middle East, we should have left Iraq alone and sponsored a national peaceful tourist excursion to Dubai and spent our 90 quadrillion Iraq war dollars there. Maybe. This section is called The Wild Wadi Epiphany. A short complimentary golf cart ride down the beach from the Monat Hotel is Wild Wadi, a sprawling themed water park whose theme is A Wadi is Flooding. Once an hour, the sound of thunder, cracking trees, rushing waves blares through the facility-wide PA, and a waterfall begins dropping a 1,000 gallons of water a minute, 
into an empty pond, which then violently overflows down the pedestrian walkways past the gift shop. Waiting in line, I'm part of a sort of united nations of partial nudity. Me, a couple of sunburned German women, three angry-looking Arab teens, kind of like the Marx Brothers, if the Marx Brothers were Arabs, in bathing suits with cigarettes behind their ears, who I notice are muttering to one another while glowering. Then I see what they're muttering glowering about, several, like 15, members of the United States Navy on shore leave. You can tell they're Navy because they're huge and tattooed and innocently happy and keep bellowing things like, Dude, fuck that, I'm all about dancing! while punching each other lovingly in the tattoos and shooting what I recognize as rural smiles of shyness and apprehension at all the people staring at them because they're so freaking loud. Then the Navy guys notice the glowering, muttering Arabs, and it gets weirdly tense there in line. Luckily, it's my turn to awkwardly blop into a tube, and off I go. This ride involves a series of tremendous water jets that blast you on your tube up to the top of Wild Wadi, where... Your recently purchased swim trunks, having been driven up your rear by the jets, you pause, looking out over the entire city, the miles of stone-white villas, the Burj Al Arab Hotel, sail-shaped, iconic, the world's only seven-star hotel, even though the rating system only goes up to five, out in the green-blue bay, just before you fly down so fast that you momentarily fear the next morning's headline will read, Middle-aged American dies in freak waterslide mishap, bathing suit found far up ass. Afterward, I reconvene with my former line mates in a sort of faux river bend. Becalmed, traffic jammed, we bob around in our tubes, trying to keep off one another via impotent little hand flips, bare feet accidentally touching, ha, whoop, sorry, <laughs> legs splayed, belly up in the blinding 112-degree Arabian sun, self-conscious and expectant, as in, are we, like, stuck here? Will we go soon? I hope I'm not the one who drifts under that dang waterfall over there. No one is glowering or muttering now. We're sated, enjoying that little dopey buzz of quasi-accomplishment you feel after a surprisingly intense theme park ride. One of the Arab kids, the one with the Chico Mark's hair, passes a drenched cigarette to me to pass to his friend, and then a lighter, and suddenly everybody's smiling. Me, the Arab Marxes, the sunburned German girls, the U.S. Navy. Now, a disclaimer. It may be that when you're 46 and pearl white, and wearing a new bathing suit at a theme park on your first full day in Arabia, you're especially prone to big, naive philosophical realizations. Be that as it may, in my tube at Wild Wadi, I have a mini epiphany. Given enough time, I realize, statistically, despite what it may look like at any given moment, we will all be brothers. All differences will be bred out. There will be no pure Arab, no pure Jew, no pure American-American the old dividers, nation, race, religion, will be overpowered by crossbreeding and by our mass media, our world culture of enjoyment. Look what just happened here. Hatred and tension were diffused by sudden fun. Still bobbing around three days before the resort bombings in Cairo, two weeks after the London bombings, I think mumble a little prayer for the great homogenizing effect of pop culture. Same us out, Lord MTV. Even if in the process we're left a little dumber, please proceed. Let us, brothers and sisters, leave the intolerant, the ideologues, the religious Islamist Bolsheviks, our own solvers of problems with troops behind us, fully clothed on the banks of Wild Wadi. We, the new people, desire fun and the good things of life, and through fun we will be saved. 
Then the log jam breaks and we surge forward down a mini waterfall. Without exception, regardless of nationality, each of us makes the same sound as we disappear, a thrilled little self-forgetting whoop. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit www.kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.